Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? a very successful business. Okay, Bauer, you're ruined. You're finished. You're a ghost in this business. How'd you like some bananas at cost? Deal. He's got the wisdom and support of his brother, Freddy. I love this guy. Do you hear me? I love him. Give me a Give me a feels with all his heart that he doesn't have one. Freddy, something in here is not working. There are worse organs not to be working. There's no kid God, that's just And then, one day, accidentally, from out of the blue, it happens. Just looking at her is pure ecstasy. Just touching her is a lifelong fantasy come true. Just being in love with her plunges him into a wondrous world of rapture and enchantment. Just one problem stands in his way. A little secret she's trying to keep all to herself. There is a mermaid in New York City. How come she's got legs? She has legs out of the water. She has fins in the water. What about a woman showing her naked in a public place, Freddy? Well, I'm bored, of course. Can I come in? No! All right, let me in. I'll be right there. I'm just changing. That girl is a mermaid. All my life, I've been waiting for someone, and when I find her, she's... She's a fish. Nobody said love's perfect. She's really hungry. Daryl Hannah, Tom Hanks, and John Candy. Splash, a fantastic tale about a fantastic tale.
much. I hate you so much. Like, I do not feel bad that I'm essentially... Why are we live? What are we doing, Dave? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, welcome back to Inside Movies Galore. I'm back to Dustin talks about his mom. <laughs> David and here in the room we have the Inside Movies Galore crew. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Hello. 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 Uh, so, uh, uh, last week we uh, agreed to start watching uh, mermaid films. So, uh, who wants to talk about uh, uh, the film that we are going to be discussing in this week? Who wants to start? I'm mad at you, Dave. Um, well, this week we watched uh, the 80s movie Splash, which I'm pretty sure was Tom Hanks' earliest film, Would be my is my guess. Like, he might have done something else around the same time, but I, the way they did in the extras, I think this was his first movie. I believe Big was before this one. No, no it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been? Yeah, because they kept talking. They kept talking about how they were taking a chance on Tom Hanks. Uh, oh, uh, really? Because he did a bunch of like just crap comedies when he first started out. I wasn't. I wasn't sure. I didn't. I should have checked. Anyway, it's uh, it's a romance. It's a romance movie about mermaids, and it's honestly pretty good. Even though a lot of people used to like shit talk it, but I can remember back in the day. <laughs> Like, remember back in the day. It's just like a, it's just like a, straight, it's just like a straightforward like Disney movie. Like it essentially is a Disney movie. My uh, kid was watching under. it with me, and she asked yeah. if it was The Little Mermaid. They, they thought about having. bachelor <laughs> party. They thought about having a scene mm-hmm. where she goes and meets a sea witch. Mm-hmm. Actually, the first this movie predated the Little Mermaid yeah. film, yeah. but it, oh, yeah. uh, it uh, the Little Mermaid story came out, obviously, you know, long before. Okay. Yeah, yeah my wasn't really thought of that immediately. Wasn't that he was probably yeah. what inspired uh, his thing the, up there? The first movie that there wasn't Mazes and Monsters. Yeah, Mazes and Monsters. <laughs> The first movie that he had actually technically had a supporting role in, besides the 1980s, he knows you're alone, um, mm-hmm. which was his first starring role. So, um, but um, yeah, um, Septim, uh, why don't you tell me uh, a little bit about when you first saw this film and uh, um, how does it? Uh, how does it? Um, uh, do you think it holds up well? Well, Karabuki Jake was the one who showed me the film first, uh, believe it or not. And uh, it was, I don't know whether it was during a movie game that we were playing around or whatnot, but uh, mm-hmm. I remember seeing it because I saw bits and pieces growing up because uh, my father always had some sort of movie channel playing when I was um, late, late, uh, I mean, early teens and so on. But, um, I thought it was an entertaining movie. I had seen plenty of mermaid movies besides that. I think my first thought was going to be, like, the Cher movie, uh, <laughs> Mermaids, which, uh, which it is not, thank goodness. <laughs> it almost 
reminded me I like of, that uh, a lot of I'm glad. It's good to have appreciation for all sorts of films out there, definitely. <laughs> but, uh... That's, that's one from my childhood that I remember really well. I was happy to see it again. The, the, the genre, the, the, the way that the film goes is something that they were doing a lot back in that time. I mean, they recycled that type of plot line a lot. The fish-out-of-water story, well, literally this time. Um... Like a mannequin, good example of something else. You where you have that little twist of something strange uh, with that romance. They had like a rash of those during that time period, and it really reminded me of that type. Actually, mannequin was the one that it reminded me of strongest. Um, Very popular trope. Because that was the one that I uh, liked the most from that time period. I remember watching that constantly as a as a child. Okay, uh, and uh, Kabuki Jake, why don't you tell me a little bit about the first time that you uh, watched this film, and uh, how does it hold up now to you? I couldn't say the first time I saw it, because this is one that I remember having seen in part or in whole way back when. Uh, I couldn't tell you the first time I actually watched it, but I know this was probably at least my third or fourth complete viewing. Although, sitting down to watch it, I was surprised. I was like, I don't remember the opening scene being in sepia tones. <laughs> I remember it. I remember that. So, it's definitely... just remembering in sepia tones. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I do remember that I always kind of liked it. Like, I grew up, um, I saw a few of Tom Hanks' 80s comedies when I was younger. And I always kind of had a fondness for them, even if they weren't really front and center in my viewing. You know, Dragnet and Turner and Hooch and some of those kind of movies, you know. I... Turner and Hooch was a good movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I always enjoyed those. And I feel like this one kind of does hold up, uh, at least compared to my rem remembrance of it. Whether it holds up, I, I'm amazed to see that it was a nominee for Oscar for original screenplay. Whether it holds up on that level is harder to say. <laughs> but especially since this was 84, it, let's see, that would have been the year of Ghostbusters and Spinal Tap and Blood Simple and all. I, I, I'm going to have to double check what the nominees were that year. But, <laughs> but um... Yeah, it's a fun movie. I like it. <laughs> cool. Um, um, if um, uh, did you uh, have now? Have you actually seen this movie before, or uh, was this the first time watch? Like other people have mentioned, I saw bits and pieces. I don't know if I ever saw it start to finish in the past. Like, because I when I thought about it, it's like, oh yeah, I've seen that movie. But I don't really remember any of the details about it, so I do have to rewatch it for sure. And I can't remember. It was probably on TV when I was a kid or something like that. And that's why I remember certain things. But um, the copy I had wasn't uh, the best viewing experience. So, unfortunately, I felt like I struggled through this one a little bit, just watching it. Like, it didn't hold my interest enough that through the bad copy I was watching that I was really, like, felt engaged with it. So, 
you know, it's just kind of, for me, fell flat this time around because, I don't know, I just couldn't get into it, like, I don't know, that, that, that trope, like, it's been mentioned, that trope has been done a lot, and, I don't know, I just didn't, I just didn't connect with this one very much this time. Really? Yeah. Well, it's I would have like, watched a better copy of it, like, clear, like, I watched that YouTube copy where it's, like, super cut off, and the sound was even messed up, and I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. Like, John Candy was the highlight for me, like, his one-liners. Like, that's what I need the most. <laughs> his one-liners were pretty damn good. Like, yeah. in all honesty. I kind of forgot he was yeah, in the I movie. Hated, but, uh, I didn't hate it or anything, I just uh, didn't blow my skirt up. <laughs> um... Red Raven, if there, uh, um, was this a first time watch for you? Yeah, this was the first time I watched it, and I thought it was alright. Um, I like the relationship between, you know, Tom Hanks and the the mermaid. That was cool to see. It, re it reminded me of, like, Creature of the Black Lagoon, in a way. You know, like, when he's in the water, and, you know, he's, like, obsessed with this mermaid, and he sees it as a kid, and he has to go back and find it again. Yeah, that, was, that was a cool touch where he just feels like there's, it feels like where he just feels like there's something there that he needs to find. Like, he's, he doesn't know why he's there. He's just drawn to the place again. Like, when his life starts going downhill. Okay, this officially makes me sad. Okay. The nominees that year for original screenplay included this film, Beverly Hills Cop, Broadway Danny Rose, Places in the Heart. I've never even heard of El Norte. And No Blood Simple, Spinal Tap, or Ghostbusters. Really? That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was happening in 1984? Ghost, Ghostbusters was, uh, uh, was a B-movie at that point in time. <laughs> it was up for an Oscar for original song. They at least got that right. Well, I don't know if original is the right word. <laughs> At least somebody got that joke. That's good. <laughs> so, Justin, uh, you told us a little bit about your... Um, uh, your well, uh, I think I know where we're going. It was, the first was time I saw this was... Uh, I was a kid. I saw this on the Disney Channel back when they used to play not Disney original movies ad nauseum. Like, back when I guess there weren't all that many Disney original movies. <laughs> um, in the ninety, in the early to mid nineties, Disney Channel used to play all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, they used like, to play a lot of family movies, even though they weren't, even though they weren't exactly what is it uh, put out by family. Disney. Exactly. Well, yeah. Wouldn't that eventually have become what is ABC Family, which is now something else? Now I think it was. It was kind of like that. It, it make it made me think of that. Um, I remember somehow seeing Jaws two on there. I mean, it was it was. Edited of like to shit, but I remember Jaws two on what I think indeed was the Disney Channel. I remember the I remember the Disney cut to commercial and then going into Jaws two and it's like wow they put this on there. So Disney Channel used to be pretty rad, but um, I remember th I remember enjoying it the first time I saw it, but being kind of indifferent because it was more of a not my thing kind of movie. Um, but, you know, it's something that whenever I see it, saw it on TV, back when I still had TV, it's like, oh, this is on. Okay, we can just leave this on. 
and I went out and what? Touchstone Buena Vista, that is a Disney product company. Yeah, they. Um, I went out and found the DVD today, uh, so that I didn't have to watch that horrible YouTube copy. Um, and there was, it came with quite a bit of extras. Like there was an there was a documentary. There was Tom Hanks like audition tapes and Daryl Hannah's too. Um, this was directed by Ron Howard, which I did not know about before. And him and his the other people involved did a commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story of it, this is actually the first Touchstone picture because Disney, they wanted to, Disney wanted to release like more movies, um, but with like a little, but not have like a PG movie, like quite associated with their brand yet. Uh, I think the way they put it was Daryl Hannah's butt was too much like, <laughs> to be associated with the Disney brand. So they actually founded Touchstone Pictures to release this movie. Uh, <laughs> and supposedly it was supposed to be called Touchdown Pictures, but there was like, but somebody misunderstood somebody, and then like the logo was out, and they were like, yeah, whatever. Uh, so uh, it was it was a pretty fun time getting to learn about this. Like apparently Tom Hanks was really really nervous like the whole time. Like he was trying to. They had Eugene Levy and John Candy, and he was trying to out joke both of those guys. <laughs> And Ron Howard actually had to take him aside at like at like the first day, uh, and go. It's like okay, so this works with you as the straight man. Like just let them handle the jokes, okay? Uh, and Tom, Tom Hanks was constantly terrified that he was going to be fired any day because he thought he was doing such a bad job. Uh, and it was just it was sort of hilarious hearing all of that. Like especially if Ron Howard uh, opposed. So when they were trying to get this movie made, basically everybody turned it down. Uh, and then when they were looking at stars, all the stars turned it down. And they'd remembered they'd remembered Tom Hanks from him doing a character on Happy Days. Uh, and so they were like, it's like, well, what about this guy? And it's like, I don't know who's going to come see a movie with Tom Hanks. And, like, I laughed really hard at that, but it, back then, you know, he was... It was, it was new. So, I mean, it made sense. And, um, like, he really stuck out to them because they said he had... They repeatedly said he had perfect timing. Like, and then when they were going back and editing, like, things that Tom Hanks was like, oh, this is a good idea. Oh, this is... What about this? How about we try this? They said something like he was right, like, nine times out of ten on, like, his instincts for jokes to do, like, on set, so... He basically blew them all away. It's like, wow, he's really great. <laughs> uh, whereas this whole time, while he's just like being brilliant and impressing them, he's like, oh, I'm going to be fired any day now. It's over. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also improvised the Mr. Mango on my shoulder bit. <laughs> uh, speaking of you, Dane, uh, when was the first time that you had seen this film? I saw it, oh boy, back when I was like, I want to say 11 or 12, something like that. And I really liked it because one of my favorite Disney movies was always The Little Mermaid. And I like I liked mermaids in general. Um, and uh, I liked that this one explored another side of the, the mythos as far as like they're able to have legs and walk on land and, you know... Uh, just do some things that, say, Little Mermaid would later not do, you know. 
and um, you know they had her. Um, you know, I, I like that she had a non-human name that shattered the glass, and I like that you know it was it was able to expand the scope a little bit more while preserving the the standard mermaid uh, things as as far as like them obviously existing. Um, underwater and being beautiful and that sort of thing. But and I also really like that uh, something about her presence makes it okay for Tom Hanks as a kid and as an adult to uh, to be safe underwater, which I liked. And I like that they don't have to over-explain that either. Um, you know, because that, to over-explain that, I think, would have ruined the magic of that particular moment. And, uh, exactly. you know, they, they just have good chemistry and they have, you know, John Candy was... You're such a such a great comedic talent he will be missed you know and it's probably one of my favorite ron howard movies and like i'm not i'm not like a mega fan of ron howard as a director even though he's made a lot of films that have been quite good like this and apollo 13 and i really love his version of the grinch and you know he's he's been at the forefront of a lot of great stuff. On the other hand, he's been at the forefront of some stuff that's just kind of generic. Um, but uh, it's a kind something term. like something like this, I think, uh, you know, definitely uh, speaks to his strengths. I think. Well, what I think I was... whenever, whenever he can keep it kind of fun and light, I think that he tends to do better. Um, you know, because something like the Da Vinci Code was just kind of boring. You know. When I first saw this film myself, um, I was quite young myself, so I think I remember it being on the Disney Channel as well. Um, when I first saw it, I, 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 I believe that um, uh, now, now that I've gone back and watched it, I did not remember that the beginning sequence was in like a black and white sepia type of to uh, 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 copper tone. To the to the you know to the film, so I did not remember that that sequence in the beginning. So it was cool seeing it seeing it again, and I think because when you watch things on TV, TV you often catch them either in the middle or like at the very beginning. I don't think I fully watched the whole thing through entirely, and this was my first time watching it entirely through. Um, Myself, so uh, I liked the I liked the the relationship between uh, um, Tom Hanks and Daryl and Hannah and what uh, <laughs> what I kept thinking to myself was um, uh, she actually had no problems getting naked for the role. Hey, <laughs> she uh, she did. She's quite an underrated actress, just in general, kind of underestimated. And she was uh, she was the lead in Kill Bill. Like I felt, I thought I recognized her from somewhere, but I couldn't place where. And then when I like looked, it was like, oh, that was her. Holy yeah, God. she was in that. She was in. Uh, I think Final Days of Planet Earth, Attack of the Blade Blade Runner. I think. Yeah, she was in Blade Runner. They mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was in like Clan of the Cave Bear or something. Yeah, she was. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's she's very underestimated, and she was in a movie that I haven't seen yet, but I really want to see, which is a movie called uh, Dancing at the Blue Iguana. Which a movie it was a movie that had no uh, no written script; it just had a setting, and every single thing that happens was completely improvised. 
And uh, I think that's a very interesting idea for a film, and I would be curious to see if it turned out well. There's no actual iguana in that, is there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, nor is it blue. If there, if there was an iguana in there, it would not be blue. Um, but I, I just like that, that general, uh, you know, conceit for a film is an interesting one. I just... The only thing is that would require actors that can do improv well, because when you see actors that clearly cannot do improv well, then they're just dying out there. Like, uh, if you've ever seen uh, the 40-year-old virgin, like the extended cut with a lot of these scenes that are very clearly improvised and they just go nowhere, and with actors that clearly don't know how to do improv very well, and you're just like, ugh, move on, you know. But that's my point, is that I feel like she... Is a she's more underestimated and is uh, able to take risks, and she's just not as appreciated for it for whatever reason. Going to Eugene Levy's character, uh, what did anyone think about his character, and uh, how, how did you like him sporting that fro? I like how he had an arc. Like I, I'd always kind of seen him like with hair like that, so I didn't really notice anything different. But I kind of felt for his character, uh, just with from having like the scientific background. It's like, this is what he's always wanted, like to prove, you know, that he, you know, I'm not nuts. See, there's something here, and he goes a little bit too far, and he he at least has a redemption arc. It's like he realizes he did something wrong, and like helps to fix it. Like he gets hurt a lot, which he doesn't necessarily not deserve, but. Um, I don't know. I liked his character a lot. Like, I thought his I thought his character was pretty cool. It's, it's isn't it nice when antagonists can a be you know likable and b you know are willing they're able to have redemption arcs you know for once because those get kind of any one thing you know and usually that ends up with like like comparing this to say like the villain from. Uh, the Shape of Water, who is, like, pretty much an irredeemable character from the start, without a lot of depth to him. Granted, you know, he was well portrayed within that, uh, within that setup, but it's just, like, he was just this irredeemable character from the very start, and so he dies, you know, as opposed to a character who has some likable aspects to, to them, is still an antagonist, but is able to be uh, redeemed. You know, there's there's something to be say, said for that, I think. I was waiting for someone to bring up Shape of Water. Because I was like, oh, yeah, this has been done again, but yeah. maybe better. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean, right? It's like, the you first know, time it's, it's, I... so easy, it's so easy for your antagonist to just be, oh, for sure. you know, two-dimensional bad guy, and it's nice to see, like, and then, like, it's kind of like the um, the guy, the man, the adult with the keys in ET. Like he's essentially the antagonist in the film, even though he's not really a villain and he's not a bad guy at all. Um, it's a very PG way to have an antagonist in a movie. It is, but you know, it's just. But I like I, I like those antagonists, like the ones who aren't really bad guys. They're just you know, if anything, they can be good guys. It's just that they're goals that happen to be at... Uh, there's a lesson in that, isn't there? There's some lesson to be learned in that yeah. whole story arc. So I think, yeah, I think it's good. And probably why uh, 
uh, you know, off product of Disney. I was like, yeah, we'll do this movie. I know when her character bought uh, uh, that fountain as a present and stuck it in the middle of his uh, room, I can imagine walking into something like that and being like, how could you put that in the middle of our bedroom? Um, Hey, they (laughs) they talked about that in the commentary. They said that um, they felt they could get away with it because they had established, like, so much realism in the movie so far that they figured it was okay to go with, like, a couple of, like, what the hell is that moments? I uh, say those apartment buildings must have had very, very sturdy floors. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. uh... Very wide buildings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... When I saw that scene, I was more focused on... I didn't really think about, like, how the hell did they get that in there? Like, that only kind of occurred to me, like, after they brought up in the commentary. Like, I was more focused on, like, the sweetness of the moment. It's like, well, how did you pay for it? I traded my necklace. And it's like, aww. <laughs> my favorite scene in the whole movie was... Um, well, I have two favorite scenes. I like... Uh, one of us, a favorite scene is when Tom Hanks is... Uh, is naked in the uh, tank, and he's like, I'm not a fish! You know, it's just, there's something about, there's something, whenever Tom Hanks, like, plays mad and exasperated, I always love it, because, like, he's such a, he has such a nice guy, uh, he's one of those rare people who's able to be an overall nice and likable person, well, in real life and on the screen, and then when he gets, like, mad and exasperated, you don't, like, hate him, you know, you find it kind of amusing my favorite part is uh, well, that, that's, that was a favorite part and then my but my all-time favorite part of the thing is uh when madison's crying uh watching the person die on tv and he's like oh well you know he he gets killed on this show but then you know later on he'll get killed on another show you know <laughs> actors like, when, you th- when you think about it it's kind of funny and then she laughs like that is so my style that's so my sense of humor they um they, they wanted to add some more to that. Yeah. Um, did, did they have the line in there where he was like, it's Bonanza? Was that in the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of that. Yeah, uh, they said that they wanted to try to think of, like, what's, like, the silliest thing anybody could be sad at? And then they just, like, named Bonanza. They said they initially wanted to do another one where she's watching the news and a plane crashes and she thinks it's fake, so she laughs. Yeah, they talked about that on IMDb as well. I saw that little blurb there. <laughs> yeah, probably uh, good, good, good thing they scrapped that. That would have been... Yeah, I think that yeah. one would have been a bit much even for back then, especially not today. But, uh, yeah, I think even back then that would have been much. But, um, you know, but, but just like the that scene is my favorite because that's so my kind of humor right there. One of my one of my favorite scenes to uh, to uh, to watch in this uh, film is the part where he's standing uh, uh, at the door uh, for the bride and groom that, uh, that is about to you know that is about to commence, and he's trying not to let the breakup of his previous relationship affect him. <laughs> as people walk in, he just keeps getting more angrier. As the thing goes along, and it's like yeah, he's going through, he's going through the uh, the motions. As he, so, that, that's, that's, my that's what they had him on. That was that's what they had him do for his audition. Uh, wow! Like, uh, so it was so great. She left me. All right. Ah, oh, fuck you. Please. Um, a tidbit on that, which uh, I'm guessing you saw the commentary. You probably saw that, or y'all might have recognized. 
the guy that John Candy's like, dude, that was the brother of the groom. So that was kind of a fun role. Clint shows up in all the movies, and that was his role to get yelled at. <laughs> but, um, I bet it, real quick on the idea of the antagonist, though. Um, honestly, I thought Dr. Ross was a bigger antagonist than Eugene Murphy's character. He was the. And he was more of a irredeemable villain, you know, the whole. For science! With mm -hmm. the moral concept, you know, nothing like that, you know. And the fact that, uh, that uh, um, if something like this were ever to happen, like in modern, uh, modern day, um, would the uh, government and our scientists want to, uh, you know, uh, put, uh, put the, uh, that type of a creature inside a test tube and want to study it exactly like it would in the film? Not our government. They don't like science. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'd probably want to do something to her. So. Yeah, well, uh, it's a, I mean, it's a it's a fair question, just because uh, typically, although I mean, this is with what I'm about to say is with species that we already know of, but generally speaking, <laughs> with birds, with fishes, with other kinds of animals, they catch them, tag them, and then just track their patterns, their migration patterns, and things like that. Um, but again, that's with species that we actually know, as opposed to like, if it was something like that that we didn't already know existed, then who knows what would happen. But generally speaking, we tend to want to observe them in their natural habitats. Uh, I, mean, I, did, I did think it was a little. Bit, I think did think it was a little bit more plausible that they would kind of just go full tilt and like just take her somewhere and like start like experimenting on her right away because it would be like a once in a lifetime like opportunity right. yeah. so i could understand like their motivations but it was pretty they they knew they were inhumane and they clearly did not care so there's definitely a lack of ethics well, there's there's a lot of examples throughout uh ancient, uh, recent, and current history of people lacking empathy <coughs> towards other people and not caring about what they experiment on them or whatever. It's actually one of my favorite parts in the movie for that very reason, that lack of empathy, that lack of, you know, you like to see that kind of get the nose thumbed at them or whatever. So I love the part where they go into the room and John Candy's sitting there with his feet in the tank and fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> the other thing that uh, that I thought that was uh, uh, that was uh, a, a little okay test theory wise what, uh, was could you uh, could you really turn water into salt water with just uh, pouring salt into the water? No. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that. It would not be safe I mean. for an aquatic organism. It would be poisonous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought that that was a little. Stretching it. <laughs> well, you have to have a special salt. We also got the fountain in that room. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, they I would don't have had to normal, build the set around it. <laughs> I don't think normal kitchen salt would do the trick. <laughs> I like how you had the kitchen salt in a drawer. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> It was probably just the hotel room at the time, and they uh, they uh, they had uh, one of them, uh, them d dollar uh, things of salt in there. <laughs> no, no, it's. Uh... <laughs>
That was fun. And, uh, and on, on issues of scientific uh, issues, one thing that has always kind of bugged me, I, I like to watch, when I watch a movie, it doesn't have to be 100% on, but when there's something that's clearly off, the fact that all the underwater scenes were filmed with the Bahamas, just I was going to say, that's definitely not New York. <laughs> New York, Cape Cod, under sea ecosystem. I had forgotten about that part. Uh, it's like, yeah, I, I, I didn't think there were sea turtles in... I had forgotten we were supposed to be in New York in the in Cape Cod in those underwater parts, and I don't know. I, the sea turtle was like really pretty, but I, I had a brief moment where I was like, "Wait, I don't know. I, was, I can't." I'm, like it was like something was off, but I didn't notice. It's hard to explain. Speaking of uh, no and no sea fans and no very many snappers. Speaking of great. Setting Very away from New York. <laughs> speaking of speaking of setting something in New York, but not shooting it in New York, or at least not entirely. Wouldn't it be cool if you could merge uh, Splash, you know, Madison there with Jason when he takes Manhattan? <laughs> I want to say no, although that does go back to. Uh, well, she could probably make his head blow up with her screech. Well, there was. There that was, was my favorite that... part of the movie. When she blew up all the TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that makes. That reminds me of a thread that shows up in some of the Facebook group, and some of the horror Facebook groups sometimes. It's like. The, the setup is. It's like you could remake any movie. With one character stays the same, but everyone else is a Muppet. What do you do? Um, and Jason goes to Manhattan with Jason being normal <laughs> is, like, the one that you see the most often. Yeah. So, Jason helped. I, I heard, even heard, like, a pitch for the script, too. It's like, Jason has to help them, you know, stop the corrupt real estate agent from bulldozing their theater. <laughs> That's and, funny. And I can just, like, imagine they're in, like, a mine cart or whatever, like, at an amusement park, like, being chased or some shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the, Muppets, the Muppets took Manhattan before Jason did. Exactly. It was, it's like a mashup of those two movies. Yeah. Just, just imagine. Just imagine Phantasm Tomlin replaced by Jason. Or it could be an Escape from New York mashup with Kurt Russell and the Tom Hanks role. I don't know. I could see um, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell doing a Terminator. Oh, there was, uh, there was another just kind of like throwaway thing from Daryl Hannah's interviews from the DVD. Mm -hmm. He was like, I have so many little girls named Madison, like, approach me. <laughs> Actually, they say on IMDb that the movie is credited with cre with adding that name to the lexicon, that it was not used before this movie. It's, yeah, and it, uh, the, the name Madison for Girls like skyrocketed uh, with with baby girls after the movie came out. Same with like the number of girls named Elsa that came out <laughs> after Frozen. You know, it just skyrocketed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, just naming children after uh, t uh, uh, movie ca uh, characters. 
skyrockets after some uh, some uh, uh, someone sees uh, something. And those of us that were around first, sometimes we are offended by it. Damn you, Twilight fans! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's sparkle. <laughs> Fuck you, Twilight. <laughs> or I, something. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of Twilight. <laughs> well, you kind of had to be the demographic to enjoy it, from what I. Well, you were you weren't a you weren't a teen girl like that's that's who those were for. You weren't a fan of the books if you liked Twilight. I've never seen any of those movies. I've never read any of the books. Although I'd love to see the movies sometime just to laugh at them. I will admit to having read all the books and seeing all the movies. Yeah, <laughs> the books were not that bad. I, I actually I had no problem with the books. <laughs> I could see where she was, but the uh, but really, uh, I had read her previous book. I think it was the previous one, the um, host. I think it was. Okay. Which well, was the movie a, came after that. I don't know. Well, if the, the book came before. The book came before. The host was really good. Twilight was okay, and it kind of played to those, you know, fantasies and all that stuff of the demographic it was for, but, and of course Fifty Shades of Grey uh, decided to compound that by 900, um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, the host was incredible. Uh, like I said, it showed that she had the, uh, she had the ability to be an incredible author. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. It's not that's not the Korean like host. No. Okay. No, not the Korean host. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only host I know about. So. <laughs> yeah, I know that one too. Uh, uh, too. And, uh, that one's on the bad movie list. <laughs> what the Korean movie host? Yeah, something Fucking crazy. Movie. That's a great movie. I thought you were talking about the American host, which is not the same thing. Oh, no, I, I was talking about, like, the Korean monster movie host. Like, I was saying that's the only movie host that I'm familiar with. Yeah, that's what I mean, is that the, that one was, I have it in my collection, I haven't watched it yet, but I, uh... Looking Watch it, to watch it's pretty it. good. Yeah, but I, I knew that the 2013 Andrew Nicole, uh... You will, you will not see the ending coming, it'll bum you out. Yeah, I just I know that the Andrew Nichol, uh film was not terribly well received. Which is too, and I I feel bad for Andrew Nichol because uh, you know he was the guy who wrote uh, the Truman Show and, uh, and that's one of my he, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, he also did Gattaca and Simone, Lord of War, things like that. Hmm. Oh, was there anything else that anyone else wanted to add? Red Raven, if there was um, any scene that you uh, you could really relate to from the film uh, uh, that you could uh, add? Um, not that I can think of, no. I think we covered it all. Uh, when she was doing it, does anybody remember the thing with the lobster? Yeah. 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 Turn, turns out she is, like, a really, like, hardcore vegetarian at the time, and, like, she was, she was basically crying that she would have to bite into the lobster, because they tried making steak lobsters and it just didn't work, so they 
like, got, like, a, lo a normal lobster, and, like, she just couldn't bite it knowing there was meat in it, so they tried, like, stuffing it with, like, vegetables, and it was, it was kind of a mess, but they got it to work, uh, so she said in the interview that, you know, it's 20-some years later, and I can't eat leeks without crying. They, they used leeks. Um, I can't eat leeks without <laughs> crying, because it just makes me think of biting that lobster. And it's like, Wait, what are leeks? Leeks? Um, it's like, like an onion-like thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah, they're a vegetable, I thought. Oh. Yeah. The Rose, did you lay awake at night listening to the screaming of the lobsters? <laughs> Actually, well, if people want to get this film, it's not hard. Matter of fact, it was one of the cheaper DVDs on Amazon. $3.75. It's a cart topper. Oh, <laughs> I should have just you know. bought it lobster because I'm, I'm sad I had to watch that shitty copy on YouTube. It was horrible. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I did not like it. I mean, yeah, it was... It was, totally, it was totally worth buying the DVD. Like, actually, when I get my chainsaw back, you can borrow the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> like a trade. Sort of, yeah. Return the hostage. <laughs> I should just buy a plastic one. I've got that one that I have to redo, but I don't know how long that's going to take me. I kind of want to. I want to see that one. Uh, I think I'm yeah, free. I think I'm free Thursday. If you want to like bring that stuff over. Thursday, I am working all day. Okay. Well, I'm, I was going to sit at home and, like, make chili. So, it felt wow. appropriate. <laughs> Alrighty. So, uh... So, I put on the costume. Head. I have a problem. I admit it. <laughs> Unless anyone else has anything else to add to the film, I think we shall wrap this up here. Okay. Hmm. It was wow. a good movie. Just, just see it. Like... <laughs> It is sort of tough to track down, aside from just buying that DVD, though, because it wasn't on Amazon Prime, it wasn't on Hulu. I don't know if it's even on Netflix. Like, I don't think it's on Netflix, because no. my, brother, my brother said he checked. Yeah, I no. And I wasn't sure, uh, sure that I'd be able to copy it in time for, uh, uh, for uh, guys with uh, how long my week has been, so I apologize. Uh, in any ca uh, case... Um, Starting with you, Septum, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, uh, I am uh, with a channel called Septum Send vs. the World. We uh, work with uh, physical media here on this channel, and uh, that's what we focus on for the most part. I talk about movie and media releases. Um, and uh, we've been trying to work on a little bit of extra content. We had a very long video come out, uh, but it was a uh, 15 anime that uh, uh, we feel should um, have uh, a complete or actually have an American release, uh, which um, has been doing okay. And uh, we have put up more wonderful videos, and uh, people should check us out. Cool. Um, and uh, Boogie Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you uh, do, where you're from? Yeah, I week I'm uh, like, like Septim said, I, I, I guess on, on his channel, and um, I think it turned out pretty good, and um, I, it, I'm, I've been pleased it's gotten some views, I've already got ideas for several similar themed ones that I'd like to, I think we can hopefully work on in the near future, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and other than that, uh, you know, I just... Uh, 
Got me work, work, work. It's been busy times. Work. <laughs> Find time for viewing and reading in the meantime. That's really about it lately. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty. So, um, uh, Katie, why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about what you do and where you're from? Sure. I'm Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a body positive horror artist and alternative model. And you can find me on patreon.com slash Katie Cadaver or Instagram at third eye open. That's three R D E Y E zero P E N. I'm also the makeup artist for the horror punk band Rat Bat Spider. You can actually catch them this Saturday, July 28th at Lucky Chance in West Dallas. They are playing with Primal Enemy and Side Night Sun. And I believe the show is at like 9 p.m. Um, and you can also listen to them on Bandcamp as well. And I am a dead girl for Duggar's Dark Coffin Classics Horror TV Show. You can watch episodes at vimeo.com slash ddcc or check us out at the Wheaton All Night Flea Market at the DuPage County Fairgrounds on August 18th. We'll be there causing trouble all night. Um, and I also am a performer and producer for Grindhouse Tees Burlesque Productions. You can find us at facebook.com slash grindhouse tees and I'm going to be performing burlesque uh, coming up Saturday, August 10th at Frank's Power Plant, um, doing a set with the Cream City Cabaret. Uh, so check me out there. And I'm also an editor for Movie Schooler from Milwaukee. And check us out on Facebook. Awesome. Um, Red Raven, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I'm Red Raven, and I'm from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And I book shows in the Milwaukee area, and I'm also a dead girl on... Duggar's Dark Coffin Classics. Awesome. Um, Dustin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Oh, I collect uh, horse. I live in Milwaukee and I collect horror stuff. Uh, I show off what I can on my Instagram, uh, DHR Hunter. Uh, someone's trying to eat their mic again. Uh, damn it. Uh, I'm also uh, an editor for Inside Movies Galore and plan to get to work on some content fairly soon. Uh, I have an interview I've been working on since the dawn of time, and I'm going to buckle down and get that handled so that it's not in my mind anymore. Uh, I'm also working on negotiating an interview with someone that I've really wanted to talk to for a long time. Uh, I want to do a tie-in about uh, movies and horror comics, and I found somebody who's interested, and we just need to set it up. So I'd like to do that as a different kind of interview. Like, I'd like to do it pre-recorded um, so that we have some kind of control over, like, audio and that we can... Like someone who works in horror comics or someone that's interested in them, or what? Um, if you've ever heard of the comic series Hack Slash... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he wrote, he created and writes, he created and wrote Hack Slash. Cool. Yeah, cool. I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to name drop until it's like fully confirmed. Um, but I met him at C2E2, and he really liked my costume. And when I finally managed to email him a week, a few days ago, he actually did remember me, and he's interested in doing the interview. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm excited, although kind of really nervous because it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> How do we not look like a complete rube here? <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to write down my questions in advance. Like I'm going to have it structured. It's not going to just be like, okay, we're live, but we're going to talk about it again. 
because uh, it turns out he is also a... I only knew him for his horror writing. Uh, turns out he's a very major, like, comics personality with DC now. Like, he writes, like, Batman stories. So it's like, oh, wow, he still wants to talk to me. <laughs> so, uh, don't want to screw it up. <laughs> Probably should have kept that part off air. <laughs> hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and where you're from? Well, I'm in Dan uh, Kyle. I'm an independent Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and uh, holy shit! Stop bumbling. Oh me? <laughs> oh yeah. Now I can hear you. Yeah, go on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm Dan Kyle's. Uh, I am a uh, a uh, independent filmmaker based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, you know you can find me on Facebook and you know YouTube every every which way and in the midst of a lot of different projects right now um my uh girlfriend's harley quinn web series called asylum origins harley has officially made its debut so i can kind of talk about it now not entirely but just the fact that it is coming soon uh which i directed the episodes and that's different from the harley quinn fan film that i had written before i even knew her um, which I will need to put that off until I can finish the series. And uh, I was actually trying to expand into uh, horror comic writing uh, myself. And, um, you know, I was starting to, to lay the groundwork for that. Just kind of like... Yeah. I have another friend um, who I'd like to interview, too, cool. that I'm also working on. So um, he might be more... I don't know, I don't want to, until I know these guys better, I don't want to, like, ask them for too much stuff, uh, but he may be somebody that you could talk to about horror writing, because I met him at Anime, I met this other guy at Anime Milwaukee, uh, and we talked about writing for quite a, a while, so I think he'd be good for you, too. That's cool, yeah, I'd love to, love to know anything more, kind of, about, I'm looking at the, uh, hack slash uh, covers and everything. The other person you might want to talk oh, so to, good. Talk I love to is uh, Hart Fisher. Uh, yeah, I know Hart Fisher. Uh, uh, since he did the well, comics. Right. Yeah, because I like I'm seeing the first issue is published by Image, which they're big with um, uh, creator-owned, you know, comics that, you know, you're able to put out there, but the creator still owns the rights and everything. I think that's that's wonderful. That's what I would would want to achieve. I just, um, you know, just want to make sure I'm doing it right. You know, so just let me know, Dustin, how that goes, and you know, yeah, what, uh, what kind of rapport you get. You know, yeah, I'm I'm really excited uh, because they were Hackslash was able to do some crossovers. So there's like Hackslash versus Hatchet. Uh, so I want to I want to mainly focus on that because I love Adam Green. But they also did a crossover with, like, Herbert West appears from Reanimator. Um, Chucky is in one of the specials as well. So that they get, they get like, a well-established, like, horror villain for the, for the annual specials. So that's going to be fun. Um, so plus a lot of the horror villains in Hackslash are clearly... In, they have clear inspiration taken from, like, other major characters. But they have like their own like unique twist on them. Like um, Sammy Kerr is basically a recurring character. He's he's this mediocre rocker called Six Six. 
uh, and he's maybe my favorite just because of his stupid name. But he's, whatever he should, like, he's dangerous, but he's clearly a buffoon who's in over his head. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, um, uh, now, ultimately, uh, everyone like and subscribe, uh, definitely check out some more, uh, discussions down the road, and, uh, now everyone say goodnight. And now, time for TV's favorite game show, Beat the Time. And here's TV's favorite moderator, Guy Smiley. contestant today. Today's contestant is Mr. Grover Monster from Sesame Street. Come on in, come on in there. Welcome, Mr. Grover Monster. Hi, Guy. And are you ready for today's wacky stunt? I sure am, Guy. Fire it away. Okay. Okay. Your stunt is this. Yes. You have to bring me five things. That's five things that contain milk. Five things that contain milk. Absolutely right, Grover Monster, and let us see how much time you have to do that in. <gasps> one minute. Wow. You have only one minute to bring me five things that contain milk. Are you ready, Grover Monster? I think so. Ready? Yeah. Get set? Yeah. Go! Ah, I'll be right back. Can he bring us five things that contain milk? He only has 54 seconds to do it in. Come here, come Ice cream, ice cream has milk in it, huh? Wonderful, Grover Monster. Ice okay. cream does contain milk. Very good, that's okay. one. I get more, be right back. Yes, you have four more to go. Four more things that contain milk. Can he do it? Here he comes now. Oh, come here, come here. Cheese, cheese has milk in it. Absolutely right, cheese and ice cream. That's two. Two. You have two. more than that. Yes, you have three more to go. Oh, wait, wait, be right back. And you only have 20 seconds to do it, and can he do it, I'm huh? Butter. Butter has milk in it. Right. Ice cream, cheese, and butter. That's three. How much time do I have? You only have 10 seconds. Oh, I run, I run. Two more things, Grover Monster. Will he do it? He's got five seconds. There come five things that have milk in it. Ice cream, cheese, butter, and two cows. I did it all the way! I did it! Oh, yes, we did it! Oh, boy, what do we get? You and your cows! Yes! And a free performance event! Yes! 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 Grover Monster! That's the heart of the Dairyland USA! Yes! You and your cows will fly! Yes!